0: So since I haven't been in this class, other than one night when Rick was teaching here about two weeks ago, I think it was, uh, I have a disclaimer. How's that? <laughs> Last year, the elders got together and, and we came up with different class titles for learning more about the Bible. Then we worked independently of each other, creating the outlines to go with each of those titles. and so. I'm hoping that very little of what I present tonight will be repetitive with what Mitch or Rick has already given in their classes or, or have already covered. Uh, I'm sure there's already been some of that. But uh, So when I was first thinking about these lessons, I was thinking uh, about the topic in that. I was thinking more along the lines that this would be for a class for somebody that's young in the faith, somebody that doesn't have a lot of knowledge yet, maybe not well versed in the Bible. However, though, it's really great to see some of the, what I consider really good scholars uh, of the subject, because we all need to work together on this. Those that have more knowledge can help those with less knowledge. And I know that some of you are very well versed in the scriptures, and it's really good that you're here. And then there's others that are like me. I still have a lot of learning to do. Uh, but as it says in Proverbs 27:17, iron sharpens iron. And so one man sharpens another, and I think there's a lot to that. So we can all help each other in learning more about the Bible. And the class title for today and Sunday morning is, you should have an outline there. If you don't, there was more over here on this corner. Uh, Interesting facts about the Bible. Well, what is interesting facts? Interesting facts to one person may not be interesting at all to another. So some of it may uh, may not be of interest to you as we go through this. You might think, well, why is he doing this? Something real basic here. That's not really that interesting. But it may be interesting to someone else. So bear with me as we go through this. Uh, I'm sure some of this, as I said, might be repetitive. But uh, who authored and wrote the Bible? Uh, God. And how did he write?
1: these <coughs> prophets.
0: Forty men inspired by God. Wrote it. And what is what does the Apostle Paul say about all Scripture? That yep, part of it, all Scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work." And that's 2 Timothy 3, 16 and
1: 17.
0: So inspiration was a, was the method by which revelation was delivered. And the Holy Spirit did it through men, in the words chosen by the Spirit. And we're told that in 1 Corinthians 2, uh, verses 6 through 13. In the Old Testament alone, there are 2,000 times when you'll find expressions "And God spoke to Moses. The word of the Lord came unto Jonah, and God said. Different expressions that you'll find. The Bible is a record of the words and deeds of God as He dealt with mankind for the purpose of providing salvation. The mere fact that the Bible claims to be the word of God does not prove that it really is from the living God. For there are other books that make similar claims. The difference between the Bible and other books claiming to be from God is the fact that the Bible contains indisputable evidence that it is the Word of God. Uh, Forty men engaged in writing the Bible beginning with Moses about 1,500 years before Jesus, and after closing with the Apostle John writing the book of Revelation toward the the close of the first century, covering over 1,600 years. And these 40 men came from all different types of walks of life, including shepherds, kings, fishermen. And they also wrote in different places, such as the wilderness, prison, and exile. Although there are 39 books in the Old Testament 27 books in the New Testament, the Bible is one book. From the beginning to end, there is an unfolding story of God's plan of salvation for mankind. Or, of, yeah, for mankind. Salvation was conceived before creation, revealed gradually through the Old Testament, and culminated in the coming of Jesus Christ and His death on the cross. Jesus said in John five thirty nine, "You search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life, and it, it is these that bear witness of me." What right. yes. oh, is that? NAS. There we go. New American Standard.
1: Um, okay. Oh my goodness.
0: I figure that. I asked her the question the
1: other day. That's a good question. There's
0: never a bad question. So if you have a question, ask That's it.
2: That's what I'll tell
3: her. What was the question? What's the NAS? Oh. You might explain
0: NASU. 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 Yes. The 1995
3: updated version of the NASU. Right so,
0: what is a handbook? There's probably many here that currently are using a handbook somewhere in their life or they've had a handbook in their past for their employment or maybe their school, if you think of it in that realm. What are they for? It's it's for doing things or following rules according to those that have authorized that book, which may be a school administrator, it could be the CEO of a company who wrote that book. And usually they contain like a vision statement. Then they go into a list of rules about behavior that's expected to be followed as a condition of your employment, or if it's something to do with school, uh, as a condition of your enrollment at that school. And sometimes they're, they put in things there for safety reasons, sometimes for the good of the company, sometimes for the protection of the company. But whatever the reason, you're expected to follow them always while you're either employed or attending. Or if you're like enlisted in the military, do they have rule books? And top of rule books on top of rule books. and Handbooks for everything you can imagine. How to operate guns, how to operate equipment. Well, is there discipline in handbooks? They come with discipline too. If you break the rules, there's usually a discipline that follows you to encourage you to think or do right in the future. To cause some type of change in you and if it's a bad enough break of the rules then there might be some discipline that causes you to be severed from that condition forever so who established this principle a long time ago about rule books or this kind of thing god uh, and i have a very dry mouth so i'm sorry So God started this method of providing the rules and the consequences with the Bible. And it's not a condition of employment though, it's a condition of our salvation. The Bible is God's book. It's our book for living righteously according to his word. Far greater than any other book written as it pertains to everlasting life and is not temporary as our handbooks for school or work or we see in our lives. So here's my thoughts about the Bible. Rick's, Rick's opinion. Rick, R-I-C-K, not R-I-C-K. <laughs> <laughs> to me, it's my lifeline to salvation, because it's my handbook, the rule book. It's the personal message that God has provided me with what I need to be saved. The Bible gives me and you our pathway that we need to follow to be right with him. It really gives me peace of mind to see how patient our God has been over the years with many sinners. He's done so much for us even to the point of having His Son die for us on the cross for our salvation. It's not because we deserve it but it's because of His grace that He has for us and His love. He has given us many examples in the Bible of those doing right and those doing the wrong things throughout the ages. It's because of learning His nature that we have, or that I have, a chance of being saved. It also reminds me how how God is a just God when it comes to disciplining His people when they are not doing things right. This causes me concern, and it makes me very cautious in the things that I do. So it's similar to the, those things that you do daily, whether you're at school or in employment. but. The difference is, is this affects our eternal salvation. Can somebody read Psalms 50, chapter 50, verses 16 through 23? About seven verses. Any volunteers? 50. Psalms 50, verses 16 through
3: 23. But to the wicked, God says... Well, What right have you to recite my statutes, or take my covenant on your lips? For you hate discipline, and you cast my words behind you. You see a thief, you are pleased with him, and you keep company with adulterers. (coughs) You give your mouth free reign for evil, and your tongue frames deceit. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. Through through 20? Uh, Through 23. These things you have done, and I have been silent. You thought that I was one like yourself. But now I rebuke you and lay the charge before you. Mark this, then, you who forget God, lest I tear you apart and there be none to deliver. The one who offers thanksgiving as a sacrifice glorifies me. To one who orders his way rightly, I will show the salvation of God.
0: Wow, what is that telling us? That if we're not doing things right and we're siding with evil things, if we want salvation of God, we need to have our pathway going correctly according to His Word. Not acting as evil and accepting them or associating with evil ones. We need to have our pathway going rightly. And we are not judged by what others do, <laughs> we're judged on what we do. Uh, 1 Peter 1.17, Peter tells us that we are all judged as individuals according to our deeds here on earth. So it's very important that we follow what the Bible says. Near the very end of the last chapter of the Bible, uh, Revelation 22.14 says, Blessed are those who use His commandments, that they may have the right to the tree of life, and may enter through the gates into the city. My eternal life is at stake unless I follow His word. What? So, the, before we read Psalms, or those were some of my thoughts on what the Bible is for me. Does anybody want to share what their thoughts on the Bible are?
2: Jim. Well, I always put things in the visual type thing, and two things I know are perfect. One's Christ, and one's the Bible. To me, um, from a modern looking thing, if we took 40 historians and tried to have them describe the Vietnam War, they couldn't all get it even close to what each one would say. Yet we have 40 people from different walks of life all being able to be concise. And you know it's through God because we don't do perfect. We're flawed. Um, the other thing that I think is fascinating to me is that, yes, as as someone that's not very knowledgeable, you can read it and get a lot out of it, but you can also spend your entire life reading it and not ever getting to understand all of it. And I don't think there's any other book or novel or anything on earth that is that way. If you do medical stuff, if you're at a very high line. There's no way you can understand it. You can't get anything out of it. But this is the only one that I know of that covers all the bases, and only through God can that happen. So I mean, it's it's something that's utterly amazing. I mean. It really is, when you, and the more they dig, the more archaeological stuff they do, the more it proves, and the more that uh, humanists or whatever else try to, you know, try to put that down in the media or whatever else they can do. But it's only through God can perfection happen. Very well said. Anybody else?
1: Yes. Um, I think of the Bible as like my guide and my hope. And whenever I need to make some decisions, I need to refer to the Bible. I know that if I comply with God's word, I'll be blessed. So um, i can lacking wisdom and find with God's word. Absolutely. Yes. I would add to that that it gives me a peace and a purpose. And I think. The scripture, if you, if you follow God's word and follow his instructions, you will have peace and joy on earth. Now, will that mean you're happy? Will that mean you get what you want? Is that God as like a genie bottle? No. But you have a hope of something more. And I think God, God created us. He knows this. He knows what we need. He knows what rules we should follow. He knows where, where our minds should be focused. And I think so much, I, I look to the Bible as for those instructions of my Creator as to what I need is in Him.
0: And there is contentment, even though you may not have contentment with what's going on in your life on earth as much right. as you say, but but there's contentment in knowing the end result of following God's Word.
1: And because the opposite is the selfishness, is the what can, what, is, what can I do for myself in this world? What can I get out of this world? And you can see a life, filled, like chasing
3: after that is vanity. Thank you. I think that's where Jesus meant in, in Matthew chapter 6 and Luke chapter 12. Same basic lesson. Do not be anxious. If we do not have knowledge of what is right and wrong, then we're going to be anxious as, am I okay? Is the world around me okay? Is this event going to affect me adversely. The knowledge that the Bible gives us is that this is the mind of God transferred to us. He is all righteousness. And if we follow His instructions in righteousness, we don't have to worry. All of our problems will, will go away. They may affect us, and we will suffer the repercussions of some of our decisions. But the end result, everything's going to be okay, because he's got. we've got his assurance that if we are walking with him, everything's going to be fine and dandy and convenient. And it gives us a peace of mind that the world can't walk. Absolutely. Do you get peace of mind from the world at all? No. Mm-hmm. Been there, done that, ain't happening. <laughs> <laughs> Any other thoughts? I
1: was thinking it's not peace of mind in the world, it's,
2: it's peace of your mind. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'll give you song. a piece of my mind.
0: <laughs> Anybody else? Okay, the Bible by Numbers. The, there's so many stats that you can come up with about the Bible. I'm not going to bore you with a bunch of them because uh, you guys are all smart and you can read them. In. Not everything I'm covering, by the way, is in your outline I've did it a few times, it. you know? Uh-huh. <laughs> That's where you take notes. There you go. Uh, I have a pen if anybody wants to borrow it. <laughs> the longest book in the Old Testament. Anybody? Um, it's for 42,684 words depending on the translation. Is that cool. English, wow. Hebrew,
1: Aramaic?
3: Will you tell us what it is? <laughs> That's the argument. Don't and don't which know. is the longest? That's true. Everybody wants to point to Psalm 19 but and the, the Psalms itself, but actually, it's only the fifth, sixth, or seventh, depending on when you triangle. start placing other criteria. So it's it's an argument that that gets worked over a time or two. This I'm is probably based friends. upon English, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go with that. <laughs> the,
0: the shortest <laughs> book in the New Testament. Duke. Jude. I have 3rd John listed, though. Oh, really? yeah, he's only by how many verses? It's only 294 words. Oh, really words. Like characters oh, okay. or words? <laughs> <laughs> well, by yeah, shortest book
3: in the New Testament. Oh, okay. We'll you know Greek, that. it's a whole bunch less than me. Greek, we're
1: eating
0: on. There's approximately, there's, a there's over 6,000 commands in the Bible. I don't have them listed out, so I can't tell you what they are. You should have printed them out. (laughs) That's your homework. There's like 8,000 predictions or prophecies in the Bible. Uh, But fulfilled prophecies, there's 3,207. Like
1: 3,200,
0: you said? Yeah, and and there's not going to be a test on that. Uh, Number of questions, there's there's like almost 3,300 questions in the Bible. How many different languages has the Bible been translated into? You probably have heard this already.
2: I've heard it several times, just remembering it's <laughs> different. So
0: maybe there will be a test on this. I know we've heard it at least three times. More than 1,200 uh, translations uh, or languages. The amazing one to me though is, there's like 168,000 Bibles given away daily.
1: 168,000.
3: And where
0: do they get their staff from, I have no idea.
3: Yeah. Several um, was a few years Bible, ago. Uh, you know, you've got the American Bible Society, right. the International and the Universal, the, you know, these Bible societies keep records of how many their members pass out. And you've got the Watchtower Society and the Mormons who are passing out I Bibles. Start adding yeah, all those they pass Bibles in addition to the Book of Mormon. It's King James religion. Makes you wonder why
1: it's still the they, most they stolen keep, book. Yeah.
3: That, that is their sole purpose in, in uh, maintaining their job, it's just is the passing those out. out and keeping the record of it. And yeah, so
0: with what Brad just says, if you're giving out 168000 daily around the world, that's why they're the number one... Stolen book because it's the most popular book around the world. So they're also taken, especially in China. But
1: it's the less believed. Mm-hmm.
0: And in China, is it the government taking Yes. Is that, the,
3: that doing or the same just thing a seizure? in Vietnam? <coughs> seizure. They're seizing in Vietnam too. Right? So I know a couple preachers that sneak them in and get them to people because they get yeah. taken. Wow.
1: Yeah, they have
0: state of Prudence Bibles, but certain yeah. things on them. They burn them? When they take them? They probably burn them, I would, I would oh, guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, but I would guess it's probably what yeah. do. they do. They're seizing from the people, and they don't want them to read. Them. In China, they recycle them. That makes sense, too. So they're destroyed, though. Yes. So different biblical names for the Word of God? Luke eleven twenty eight 28 describes it as the Word of God. Philippians two sixteen is described as the Word of Life. Colossians three sixteen talks about the Word of Christ. Psalm 40 and 7, it says it's about the Book, it refers to it as the Book. Deuteronomy thirty one twenty six says the Book of Law. Uh, Romans 1, 2 is Holy Scriptures. Acts seven thirty eight is lively oracles. John 5 and 39 says scriptures. Ephesians 6 and 17 calls it the sword of the spirit. And Hebrews 6, 5 says the good word of God. Now there's a writer named Jay Wilson who says the following about the Bible. And Jim actually talked a little bit about this when he gave us his thoughts earlier. The Bible is accurate in dealing with external matters. It's accurate in its record of archaeology and natural science. In order to be the Word of God, the Bible must be accurate in its portrayal of observable facts. Meaning, when they dig up a, a city that nobody's ever seen uh, forever, and then it, it's a city that's been mentioned in the Bible, and they figure out, oh, this one here was already talked about in the Bible. Uh, the proof that the Bible is the Word of God comes from its internal contents. The Bible contains the following categories of internal evidence which prove to be the Word of God fulfilled historical prophecies, fulfilled predictions of the Messiah, a plan revealed, then carefully carried out, proof of the existence of a planner, and a bridge binding the Old and the New Testaments together as one complete unit. But like Jim said, and he used the analogy of the vietnam war if you had 40 different people from different walks of life trying to write about the vietnam war do you think they would all agree with something there or would you get 40 different opinions and 40 different <coughs> theories and stories about it versus you have 40 different writers at different ages that put all this together and it all complements each other and rolls together
3: mike I think it's easy to break that down too because if you look at history you look at American history and pick world history for any a big event, and look how they wrote about it, you will see that they don't match up. The, the, the events are the same, but the account that's being written is skewed based on who's doing the writing. And you realize they're rewriting history
0: again now, or trying to at least. Yeah, they're yeah. <laughs> uh, trying to change how, what all the philosophy is in the history and how it.
3: We, how. we did that while it was happening. Exactly. Yeah. And Vietnam. I was, I was in the midst of things, and I thought it would send me the newspaper clippings out of the Denver Post, and I think they were talking about two different countries. Yeah. Because the incidents were so dissimilar, you couldn't rationalize <coughs> the two.
0: You know, in my experience in law enforcement, it's a, it's been that way through my life, that you're at an event, and then you come back and read about it, and it's like, I was there. At least I thought I was. <laughs> and, and you know, and, and that's what's happening in, in today's society as well. I mean, you know, with the with the different factions of the news media, some saying this and some saying that and what's really the Pretty truth. You know. And I believe that's a hindrance to people believing what's the truth in the Bible. That's exactly right. And there's and if you think about We have the Bible as the Word of God, but look at all the other books that are out there that are explaining what the Bible is or explaining what other religions are and maybe why you should not read the Bible and listen to them. Because people try to confuse you. If they keep us confused, we won't be following the, the Word of God. It's important to follow the Word of God, though. The Bible, here's some more thoughts on it. The Bible could be described maybe as the best book about God. Absolutely. One could say the main theme of the Bible is redemption through Him. And there are some th- sub-themes that lead to redemption. And that is, you have the nature of God. You, you learn about the curse for sin and disobedience. The blessings for faith and obedience. The Lord our Savior and the sacrifice for sin. And the coming kingdom and the glory of it.
3: Great. Okay. Yes. That's one of the, the, the things that the Bible is, is necessary for. If you look at Romans chapter one verses nineteen and twenty, you know it, it nobody has an excuse for not knowing that there is a creator. The universe around us, the earth, everything that we have that can it feel and touch on this earth and look at the skies above, the only conclusion you come to, this was created. But to know the mind of the Creator and our association with that Creator and where we come from and what He expects us to do can only come from a handbook written to tell us how to live our lives.
0: You know, and the important thing about what you're saying is that you need to go to the, the person the that wrote the, the real source. Because if you go to anything but the real source, then you have man's interpretation entering into it. And you may not get the same flavor. And so it's really important to follow the true source. I
2: think this is you know, just me speaking, but if if one person had written the entire Bible, a lot of people would say it's a story. You know, just but I think God in His infinite wisdom knew, but putting it the way it did and how it was put together through these different aspects of Luke being a doctor or just being a fisherman or, I mean, we forget literacy and being able to read and write. were not, you know, big deals back then. Um, I think he did it that way just so it even proved more his power and, you know, his infinite wisdom to put this all together. Because there's no way we could.
0: He obviously was <coughs> smart, those men. Because without it, they couldn't have done it. I mean, you think about a doctor and how smart they are and, educated they are, and so they, they can be maybe a good writer of things. But as you mentioned, the fisherman or the guy that's a carpenter. And I'm not trying to belittle that trade, but back in that day, how many of them were literate as far as writing that? Probably, yeah, very few. Because what did you have for instruments to write with? It's not like what we have now where we reach in with a pen and you can take a note down. a lot different.
2: And you can find free paper to write it on anywhere around you, pretty much anywhere you're at. Now you can write. Yeah, <laughs> But back then you couldn't.
0: You had to have that certain type of bush, the papyrus. And then it took a long time to get it ready to write on. So we have about 10 minutes left. Let's go into the 18 names of Jesus. What's in a name? The names in the Bible were most important because they were given to express the character of the person. <clears throat> we are so used to thinking about our Lord being called Jesus Christ that we may forget what his name meant or that he had many other names. Jesus, uh, the name Jesus comes from the Greek for Joshua. Joshua means God is salvation. The name Jesus is very well exp- explained in Matthew one twenty one. Mary will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Emmanuel is, means God with us. Isaiah says the virgin will be with a child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Matthew quotes this verse in Matthew 1.23. So obviously that clock above you there was off a little bit since clock, it, just, it just rang. Isaiah 9.6, uh, Jesus is talk, talking... Or, Considered the Prince of Peace As we heard from Alan on Sunday, he was also considered the Anointed One uh, The Son of God And as it it says in the notes there, this shows Jesus' special and unique relationship to God He's the Son of Man He's also called the Word The Lamb of God This title was used of Jesus only by John the Baptist, who proclaimed that Jesus was the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. What's he mean by that? Somebody explain that.
1: Back
0: then they used to have sacrifices to their gods. But Jesus was the... He
3: was the sacrifice for our sins. Mm -hmm. So, good job. It's also used by the angels of heaven in Revelation chapter 5. Worthy is the Lamb. That's the Lamb. Because you
0: were slain. And it and actually talks about, and, and I have that listed down below, as Lamb too. Uh, he's also known as Christ. He's known as Rabbi, uh, John 138. Known as the author of life. Why would he be the author of life, do you think? He created it. He created it. He right. <laughs> he's the Alpha and the Omega. What does that tell us?
3: first yeah, yeah. What's that? Say, did you read my blog? I did a blog on my <coughs> blog. How long back? A couple, three months.
0: If it wasn't yesterday, you know. <laughs> uh, Alpha and Omega are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. Indicate that Jesus is the first and the last. He's considered the Lion of Judah. The Lamb. The Word of God. King of Kings. Lord of Lords the bright morning star. Remember what Alan said recently, uh, Christ was the Messiah, Christ, or Messiah equal Christ, by implication he is King, and it literally means the one one. Questions or comments on the different, what do you think, how, why are the scriptures using all these different names for Jesus?
3: I think sometimes we get, we make a mistake in calling all of these names. Many of them are attributes and capabilities and jobs to be performed. So it's more, what you're saying is it's more of a description. It is a description. And collectively, they allow you to have a complete character analysis and job description and a good view of the one who is Christos Isles, Christ Jesus. And, and when, you, when you, God himself is, is the same way. Defined as El Shaddai, all powerful one to Abraham, and different attributes at different times as needed to scripture. And Jesus most assuredly, he was a baby. Right. He was Emmanuel as a baby as well as Emmanuel hanging on the cross and Emmanuel today who has been with us and still is with us and so when you look at that description rather than giving saying well that's a name you know his mother never stepped out the door and hollered that to try to get him to come in for something right (laughs) so you can better title
0: number two I think it is there yeah it's the 18 descriptive names of Jesus because that's what it's doing. It's describing him, instead of calling him by those.
1: And to build off that, it describes him in ways that people needed at that time. So, if you were um, an Israelite, the Lion of Judah means something to you. If you were um, not an Israelite, can't be at the moment. But
0: like it, did, it wouldn't have meant the same thing. But so it, it, it describes him from different points of view, so people can understand who he is.
3: All right. Well said. We're not going to get into the miracles of Christ. We'll start on that on Sunday. We'll try to finish to the end on Sunday.